0: Time to begin. If you want to uh, begin uh, coming on in and getting your seats, it's enjoyable to watch you and hear you fellowshipping with one another. It's good to be able to gather together in the middle of the week. If you haven't gotten a bulletin, I encourage you to do that. Uh, The way things currently uh, stand if you look in the, uh, in the bulletin, beginning next Wednesday, uh, we will meet for a brief period for announcements and a brief devotion as we used to do before dispersing to classes. So keep that in mind. Uh, also I was asked to read this announcement. There uh, a welcome back home table, table shower for the Rosas family, Rosendo. Rosinda and Judy Rosas and their daughters Diana and Mia are returning back home to Boonville and will be worshiping with us again very soon. And everyone is invited to shower them with gift cards, paper goods, detergents, cleaning products, staple groceries such as sugar, flour, fl- uh, meal, etc. And the table will lie in the foyer next Sunday, July 4th, and will be there until they arrive. And they, they've already... Uh, made that decision and have been here at least once, uh, bringing some things, and so we're excited about that, and I know that you are. Um, also, I wanted to make sure that, that you understood how the classes are operating. I was talking to someone the other day. This would be, especially if you're a Bible class teacher or considering being a Bible class teacher, um, which I would be thrilled if you were, um, but... As far as our quarter system, our adult classes, God has blessed us with an opportunity and our adult classes are now on the same quarter system as the rest of our classes. And I was talking to someone that was talking about a class and you know, if I take a break, I hate to go into, you know, just in the class that's already process in progress. Good news is that that won't happen anymore because we're on the uh, academic quarter following our schools and so we have what we call promotion in August, so August, September, and October, that's quarter one for us, and we do four of those. Our adult classes are rotating on the exact same system so that you will be able to, uh, if a teacher said, I'm I'm gonna teach this quarter and then I'd like a break, that person can uh, be in an adult class as soon as it picks up brand new. So we're excited about that. Now, the next quarter, starting in August, I will be teaching this same class in the annex, and then Brother Ken will be up here teaching the stewardship class, giving the stewardship uh, in the auditorium. So that's the way it's wor- uh, working. Just wanted to let you kind of know that. And there's one more announcement before we begin our prayer tonight. We'll start our class, as we always do, uh, with a focused prayer. We've, we've been asked to have a special prayer tonight. Um, most of you are aware, as is in the bulletin, about, the, uh, about Carter Lee Adcock uh, baby uh, Acock I said that wrong, Acock, right? Um, he is in Lebanar. The last update was they were going to take him to Lebanar, but he is in Lebanar and in surgery, even as uh, I speak. He's in the surgery right now. And he is in very serious condition. So they've asked us to have a special prayer for him and for his family, and we're certainly going to do that. So if you would, bow with me and let's begin our class with a prayer. Our most holy and righteous Heavenly Father, we are mindful of your goodness and your grace and we are thankful for all that you have done for us. Father, at this time, while we are thankful for all the good things that you do for us, and the blessings that you shower upon us, we realize that there are times, Father, when we need to come before you and ask for special blessings. And we do that now, Father, for Carter Lee Aycock, for his mom and dad, and for the surgeons who are so carefully and attentively working on him even now. Father, we pray that you would bless this child and those caring for him and that in accordance to your holy will that you would give him health, that he might grow and overcome these challenges. Father, we also are aware of others who have lost children recently, others who are struggling with illness. And difficulties. But through it all, Father, we know because we've heard your words that you will never leave us nor forsake us. Strengthen us as we study your truth tonight. In your Son's name we pray. Amen. So, tonight, as we continue our lesson, uh, typically, and and, uh, Ken and I were talking about this uh, when we were talking about this quarter system. Uh, Typically, we encourage a teacher to prepare for 11 lessons. That's 13 weeks and a quarter, and and especially in adult classes, you never know when there might be a guest speaker or there's other things that come up. So if you get all 13, that's great. Uh, But as it falls, this time it's going to be uh, 11. Lord willing, if I get the opportunity, I'll be out of town on the 21st and then at Maywood on the 28th. And so Brother Jim is going to teach... Uh, on the 21st, and Brother Todd Sweeney uh, is going to teach on the 28th. Todd uh, had one of the lessons on, the lessons from great Bible characters, and things worked out to where he didn't get his turn, uh, and I want to make sure he gets his turn. I know he's excited that I've made sure that he gets his turn, uh, but he will do a good job, and I'm looking forward to that, but uh, that's the way, so we've got three lessons left. And so we'll do a kind of a cumulative review before we're finished. But we are talking about how to be effective at personal evangelism. Big word, term, it simply means, what can I do to be as effective as God can make me at taking His saving truth found in the gospel and share it with somebody else, teach it to somebody else, put someone else... In contact with it so that they have the opportunity to obey it. And that's what this is about. And so, in the course of understanding what it is, we began to talk about three things that are absolutely essential to be effective at that. Okay? Uh, the first one, and we'll review, the first one was understanding, but the second one was knowledge. And you'll notice I changed it from five to four. There was one of those I decided I wanted to absorb into next week's lesson. But four components of what I have to know to be an effective sharer of the gospel. And I'm using that term not to, not to be weak or not to be, uh, uh, as someone might say, liberal. <laughs> uh, but for some reason, I don't want you to be into a personal evangelist. That sounds scary. Nah, Share the gospel with somebody else. If you're capable of teaching it to them, teach it to them. If you uh, put them in contact with someone who can teach them to them, you're just as much an evangelist as the one who did the teaching. Uh, And and so on. That's going to be our focus next week. As we bring it uh, full circle. But I need... uh, What is it I need to know? I must know the truth. I must know the world. And I must know Satan. Now tonight... I want us to look at a fourth thing. I must know myself. I must know myself. Now, there's a lot of different ways we could go with this. Okay, what does this mean to you? I must know myself. Now, before you say anything, if you're going to say anything, I'll, I'll kind of put a disclaimer out there. I'm not talking about your level of Bible knowledge, per se. I'm not talking about your feelings about how adept you are or comfortable you are with actually sitting across the kitchen table with somebody with an open Bible. That's next week. So with that to the side, saving it for next Wednesday, what do you think then I mean that if I'm going to be effective... being a personal evangelist, a sharer of the truth, I must know myself. What do you think I mean? Conviction. Interesting. Now, Dale, I do this in my classroom, and so don't think, that's what I tell my students, don't think when I ask a question about your response that it was a bad response. Uh, I kind of learned to bounce from it. Okay? Uh, So what does does that even mean, conviction? What, What does Dale mean? It's a good answer. Why is it a good answer? If you're really wanting to do it, okay, okay. Is it dedication, okay. What did you mean by conviction? Okay, no, you're, you're right on target. Anybody else want to share anything? That's what I wanted to hear. Great start. I must know myself. Yes, sir. knowing your own personality, your own hang-ups, okay? Now, a part of that, a part of that will come into play next Wednesday as we talk about the actual hands-on what what can I do kind of thing. And believe it or not, there's a place for everybody in this room, okay? Now, that's what we're going to get down some of you I'm sorry, this is the teacher in me. Right now, some of you, those of you that I can see, just gave me that look like, yeah. Because you're thinking, raise your hand or nod your head, if you're thinking, okay, me sitting across from somebody else and I'm the one in charge of what's out here to somebody else, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh uh-uh. That scares me. Nod your head if that's the way you feel immediately. Oh, come on now. We do, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's why next week's lesson is really important. But, I'm sorry, did you, what do you mean by ups Yes, yes, and, and yes. In fact, I think one of those verses is in here tonight. Uh, if not, it's, it's next week. Uh, I did something that probably wasn't a good idea. I did both of, I did tonight's and next week's lesson at the same time. And so they're on different slides, but all those slides are in my head in the same place. So uh, well, we are going to look at them. Very good. Very good. In fact, no, it's here. Uh, look at 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 5. Would not say it, everybody can hear you. Now, did you hear what um, Brother Luther said? I started to call you Leonard. I don't know why. Uh, okay. Did you hear what he said? That verse says, examine yourselves, prove your own selves. Now, I had a struggle with this verse. Not a struggle as in I had trouble believing it. Oh, no, no. But a struggle with two of the words, and I challenge you to study them. Let's look at that in its entirety. Examine yourselves to see whether you are are in the faith. I'm reading from the uh, English Standard Version. Test yourselves. Uh, King James says, prove yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test, or you be found a reprobate, I think, that the, the, the King James says. Now... There are two words there in the Greek that are almost identical. In fact, the definitions in Vine's Greek dictionary sound the same. So I had to dig a little deeper. Okay, the very first one, if you look at, it said, examine yourself. Okay, that word, examine, in the Greek has the idea of scrutinizing, as in looking at all the parts to see the condition something is in, then the word test yourself, prove yourself. I looked that word up, and you know what it says? To look closely at something, to scrutinize it, to break it apart, and see if it... And then I thought, wait a minute, why would the Holy Spirit use two words that say the same thing? First of all, He wouldn't. So I have to dig a little deeper. And there's a part of that first definition that I wasn't sure about. And the more I study in this context, the more it makes sense to me. Examine yourselves. And then he said, test yourselves. Is that not the same thing? Well, in our English speaking minds, it is. But it isn't. Because this idea, trust me, the Lord will never repeat himself unless he has a reason for doing so. And in this case, he's not actually repeating himself. The word examine has the idea of looking at something from the outside, as in seeing how it's working. Is it, as you watch it doing what it's supposed to do, is it functioning the way it's supposed to function? Does that make sense? Now, the second word, test yourself, that word has the idea of looking on the inside. Are the components? on the inside the way they're supposed to be. Look in your heart. Look in yourself. Is your faith the way it ought to be? So basically the two words says look at yourself in both directions. Look at your faith on the inside. Are you in Christ? Are you living by faith? And examine the way you actually live and does that match what you're supposed to be doing according to the faith? Now, is there anything left out of how I would look at my own life Left out of those two phrases, nothing. And so, when I think about myself as someone who is trying to share the truth with someone else, trying to play that part, whatever that part may end up being, I'm looking at my own life, and that's why I'm glad, Dale, you said what you did, and the others uh, supported what you said, with the idea of conviction. Conviction because, now let's go to Colossians 4, 5, and 6. I need to know myself, first of all. And I want to make an analogy here before I I leave, uh, before we get to the Colossians passage. Or... I want to ask a a question. Now, I want you to understand teaching someone or sharing with someone the salvation found in the gospel is not comparable to selling something, even though that analogy has been used. That's far, 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 far more important. But how many of you ever, I need a show of hands or or something so I can see what's going on. How many of you have ever had someone uh, come to your door selling Girl Scout cookies or Uh, selling, some child selling something for school? Anybody? Or seen them at, now they catch you at Walmart, right? Uh, Okay, have you ever encountered someone either at your door or standing there in their uniform, Boy Scout, Girl Scout, whatever, uh, softball team, baseball team, and they were so lackluster in their sales pitch that you didn't have any trouble dodging them and not buying the cookies that you didn't want to buy? that ever happened to anybody? You want to buy some cookies? No, I don't. Okay. Uh, But has anybody ever encountered that one particular blonde-haired, blue-eyed, pigtailed girl that you ended up buying three times as much as you wanted to and you didn't want to buy any anyway? Okay. Now, that has to do... You say, what's that got to do with the gospel? Simply this. When you examine yourself, whether you're in the faith, remember that definition... Acts 8 and verse 4, we won't go there, but they went everywhere preaching the gospel. Now, I want you to understand, when you understand that context, they had every reason in the world not to share the gospel. They had literally just been, as the old uh, southern phrase goes, run out of town. They had to leave because of the persecution, and they went back home. And then going back home, they went everywhere they went talking about the thing that got them persecuted in the first place. I want you to understand that they did not do that because they were under an obligatory command. Well, you know, we better do this because the Bible says we must. And if we don't do what the Bible says, we're going to. Well, no, that is true, though, Mr. Preacher. That It is. That's not what motivated them. That faith that was so alive in them, Galatians 2.20, the life of which I now live by the flesh or live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. That was alive in them, and that's what got them persecuted because they were on fire doing what they needed to do, serving the Lord. And when they went back home, they couldn't help but tell people about it. They couldn't help but tell people about it. It wasn't an obligation to them. So I examine myself to see if that faith is in me like that. Because if it is, then sharing it with someone else is going to be, really, it's a no-brainer. I just have to find my spot. Okay, now, Colossians, I must know myself. These verses all lead us to a different part of this conversation. Colossians 4, 5, and 6. Somebody read that nice and loudly
1: time speech be always resolve you may know you answer every
0: now thank you the first thing I'm going to do is raise my own hand and say I learned something that I should have learned in that passage a long time ago I have not misused is not the right word but Misunderstood, perhaps, not misused, because you could look at that verse and said, Well, you need to make sure you talk the way you're supposed to talk, uh, speak the way you're supposed to speak to other Christians. Well, and that's true. But do you notice in that verse, he's not, ta- he's not, the context is not other Christians. Now, the principle applies. Sure, of course. And I can show you some other verses that actually deal with how we talk to each other. But if you'll look at that context, he said, Let your speech, be always with grace, season with salt. Now, f- first, season with salt. W- why that? Uh, that's an adage. That's an old adage, that season with salt. Why do you season something with salt? What? Well, to save it, uh, to make it what you want it to be, to what? Make it taste better. Okay, so you get it, right? So Well, no. Do let's see. I want to make sure you do get it. When he says, "Let your words always be with grace," whose grace? Hmm. God's grace, of course. Seasoned with salt. If my words are filled with the grace of God and seasoned with salt, then what kind of words are we talking about? Pleasant. Okay. What else? Truthful, what? your speech, be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer everyone, every man. And then he said, redeeming the time, he said, what was that first part? Toward those who are where? Outside, without. He's talking about how we talk to everybody else. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Miss, I'm sorry. Miss Marilyn was talking about uh, her correspondence with those who are in prison. About when those who are converted or those who are—they want to know what to do—and she tells them you can do the same thing I'm doing. You can share with others. Now, here's a question: How much good would it do if I got? Let's say that we. Let's say that Miss Marilyn got so much that she needed some help. Probably already does. But needed some help. And I said, oh, okay, I'll take five. I'll do five. And I get those. And then I send a correspondence. And I put a sticky note on that first correspondence course that says, I hope you do this lesson. I hope you're sincere about this because a lot of people in prison just want a handout. I hope you're sincere. And you know, if you would act better, you wouldn't be in prison. Did I say anything that wasn't true as far as factual words? No, but I would never hear from them again. Why? They don't want to hear the truth? See, that's not my fault. That's right. Did you see the way I pressed back? That's the way we appear to other people when we come across that way. Uh, and, and, and Jonathan was right that, you know, we don't necessarily, we do that, I don't think we, that, we don't do that on purpose. Now, if we do that on purpose, we've got another problem we got to deal with. But I think a lot of times we don't mean to do that. The Bible says to abstain from all appearance of evil and abhor that which is evil, and we've taken that to heart. We do pretty good at that sometimes. If we're not careful, though, we... I never have understood what it means to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but I do know that it's not good, okay? And I do, it has has the, uh, it means don't miss the point. I figured that out. I can't help it, Jonathan. I have to know where things come from and make sense, and that one doesn't make sense to me. Uh, but I understand what the lesson's supposed to be that if I did that, that would be mean. I wouldn't be very kind, would I? Let your speech be always. I have to know myself. I have to know that, hey, I love someone else not because of where they are or what they've done or who they are currently, but who they can be, who God made them to be. Did you know a a verse in the book of Jude says, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted with flesh. Now, have you ever dealt, anybody in here ever dealt with a burned building even after the fact? Anybody? I have, yep. Can you spend any time around that building at all and not come away smelling like smoke? No, you can't. So if you are pulling someone out of a terrible situation, you're going to be in direct contact with some nasty stuff. And you're not going to like it. But you hate the garment. You hate the cloak in which they're currently living because you're supposed to. So why in the world are you pulling them out in that nasty cloak that they're living in? Because you don't want them to be lost. Because you love the soul. And that's what this... I know I have to know myself that, I, that my speech is seasoned with salt. That it is with grace when I'm talking to someone else. Um, now, Matthew chapter 5, 13 through 16. I can quote this one in pieces, but I want
1: us to hear it all in one chunk. In the Sermon on the
0: Mount, and I want you to tell me what you think this has to do with me knowing myself. Not myself as a Christian. Yes, that, that's automatic, but myself as a Christian who is going to make a concerted effort now to teach, reach others. Okay? Somebody read that for me.
2: You're in the. Spot. one lamp and put it under a basket and put it on the sand. And gives light all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good words and give glory to your father
0: and present How does that passage apply to someone who is a child of God trying to share the truth with someone else? Well, we already know from Colossians 4:5 and 6 that you You make sure that your heart is right. That's the first verse. Second verse, that your speech is coming from a heart that's right, that cares. What about this verse now? What's this talking about? Not just our speech, but our what? Our behaviors. Okay, anybody else? Your actions. You're you're the salt of the earth. Salt, regardless of what it does... Or, or, I'm sorry, regardless of why we use it has one characteristic. It, it has an effect on wherever it is. Salt has an effect. You put salt on your vegetables, you taste it, don't you? You put salt on that, uh, what is it they used to hang in the smokehouse? Hams? Uh, Uh, It preserved it, right, because of its presence. Now, you take uh, a 50-pound bag of uh, ice cream salt and pour it on somebody's front lawn. What have you guaranteed for them next summer? (laughs) That they don't have to mow, right? Because it's killed it. Uh, And my favorite coming up uh, 4th of July... If I get a chance to go to my mom's, and I hope I do, I hope she has what she always has. Put a little salt, a lot of salt around, and what's in the middle? Oh, oh that, that was an easy question. That homemade ice cream, right? Um, and the last time I made it, it it took forever. It took me three hours to make that. My mother said, what in the world? And I said, I don't know. She said, would you not get enough salt? Well, I had a whole bag. I just used a little, yeah. You put the whole bag. And it makes it work. What does it do? It Well, it does. It, it's, it has an effect. Okay, I'm the salt of the earth. My light is supposed to shine. You know what's interesting? That verse, that a city set upon a hill cannot be hidden. We always think about a bright lit city. But you know what? If I were to... You think of a place right now, geographically, that is is bright and, and big. I think about coming into... Uh, when I lived in Sevierville, when I came over the hill uh, uh, where Knife Works is, and I come over that, man, you know, if I came over that hill and all the lights were out, I'd be wondering what's going on because I know it's supposed to be there. It's still there, but it's dark. That verse implies that the city on the hill, even if it's dark, people know it's there. They want to know what's up. Why there's no lights. So my life People see when the light's not shining like it's supposed to. People know when I am not what I'm supposed to be. And they also know when I am living, as God would have me to live. Because they see that and they glorify God in that. So I have to know myself to make sure that I'm doing the best I can. I think it's important. Go ahead and be turning to 1 Peter chapter 3. 14 through 17, I think it's important that we understand many people, I think, shy away from or or even afraid of talking to others because they think, well, I'm not good enough. I'm not perfect enough. I'm not faithful enough. Well, that may be true and that may be something you need to work on individually. But you and I are never going to be perfect. That's not the requirement. But our lives have to match the gospel we show other people. Does that make sense? We have to live in such a way that the person, the person we're influencing, talking to, wants to become a person like us. Couldn't, that, couldn't say that any better. You are supposed to be a working model one of the things that I'm looking at, and I've heard, teachers, y'all have heard this term over and over and over, but I'm hearing it. I'm taking ED605 right now, which is instructional design. Um, and one of the things that we hear, we hear is that teachers have to model the behavior, have to model the instruct. If you want your children, your students to do it properly, you have to show them how to do it, you know. Well, now, why would I do that? I sit behind my desk and drink coffee and tell them this is how you do it. It doesn't work that way. You know? We wish it would, but it doesn't. Have to show them. If we want people to truly believe that Christ can make a difference in their life, they need to see that he has made a difference in our lives. Otherwise, we're talking the talk, but not walk in the walk. Second Peter, First Peter, excuse me, chapter 3, 14 through 17. Someone read that for us, please. I'm on now, not all at once. Okay, going through
1: 17.
0: Now, as we pli- think about this application. As we are busy doing the part that we, are, that we decide, okay, I'm going to make the effort. This is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to try to grow. And, and again, that's next week, Lord willing. But as I do that, it needs to be that when people see my life, if, I'm in, if I get in any kind of a situation, any kind of problem, it's because I'm doing good, not because I've been doing evil, that I am doing my best to live so that those on the outside see nothing but God, nothing but Christ, as best I can, not perfectly, but by faith, and that I sanctify the Lord God in my heart, that He's in my heart, and I'm ready to give an answer to anyone who would ask me. A reason of the hope that's within me. So in other words, when someone... This verse doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have all the answers at your fingertips. That's not what that's saying. But it's saying that you can back up with truth why you choose to do the things you do. Because the Lord is in your heart. And if someone challenges you on that, you're prepared to Respond to that. Absolutely. Sister Anita was talking about Peter, who wrote this. Peter, who also denied Christ. And you know, I I think it's also important for us to think about... Now again, you say, well, I don't agree with that preacher. I'm not so sure that that... I don't know if I agree with you. Okay, that's okay. But he says, be ready always to give an answer to everyone who asks you a reason. That answer doesn't always have to be words coming out of your mouth. Peter was put on the spot when he was asked about knowing Christ, and he denied him. He didn't just deny him by saying words. He denied him. Don't you remember that whole story? He kind of tried his best to get out of the way so they'd stop bothering him, right? To get himself out of the the limelight. Uh, And I'm so glad I didn't fall over those steps. Luther would have laughed at me. Uh, We have to be ready, it's there in our hearts. That, of course, I'm a Christian, of course. I believe in God, of course. Now, again, doesn't mean I always have all those answers on my fingertips. That's what we'll talk about a little bit too next week. But it has the idea of Him being in your heart. I know myself. Before, this is the reason for this lesson tonight. Is that before you begin, I hope that after next week and then the next, you say, okay, I want to in 2021, then 2022, I'm going to make a point. Not going to tell anybody, not going to report it, but I'm going to make it a point to begin to do some things that are efforts to reach the gospel to other people. Make sure that your heart is full of that, so of you know, the faith of, of Christ, of God, of His truth, so that that's a natural outpouring. It makes a difference. Now, one last passage. Actually, there's two. Philippians two twelve through sixteen, or Philippians four. Sorry, twelve through sixteen. I want you to turn to that one. And I want to make a connection here because if you have already turned to Second Corinthians, you might be thinking, "Wait a minute, what's that got to do?" with what we're talking about tonight. I want, I want you to see something that I found when I was studying this that has really made a difference to me. It's really made a difference to me. Okay, somebody read Philippians 4, 12-16, nice and loud. Wait a minute. Is that the four or three? That's not the one I wanted. Oh. It's two. I'm sorry. Chapter two. I'm so used to say four. That's a wrong reference. It's Philippians chapter 2. That's the first mistake I've made today. Actually, it's the first one I've noticed today. Okay. Please. Yes, sir. Therefore,
2: my beloved, as you've always obeyed, so now not only is it my presence, but much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, For it is God who works in you, both the will and Pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among you, among whom you shine the lights of the world, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain for labor of
0: Let this sink in just a moment. This particular passage, yes, there's so much in Philippians that helps us understand how Christians should uh, let Christ shine through them as they deal with each other. That the love of Christ and our faith causes us to react, absolutely, about Christians' relationships, very much so. But folks, notice again what Jeremy just read there, that he said in verse... 14 or or verse 15, that you may be blameless and harmless or innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. And you shine as lights in the world. He's talking about the outside again. He's talking about the way we behave, the way we do things, the way we do things so that the world sees Christ in us. The light. Okay, hold that thought. And I want you to look at 2 Corinthians 4. And I hope you'll see the same powerful connection here that that I did. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Now let's look at verses 3 through 6. Okay, verse 3. has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. To give the light. Let the light shine. Did you hear that? Let the light shine out of darkness. And that light is in our hearts. And what's that light supposed to do? Shine to others. Now, go back to Philippians chapter um, 2. And he says there, Among whom you shine as... Okay, please say it. Among whom you shine as lights. Thank you, Jeremy. What's wrong with y'all? Lights in, a, in the midst of, wait a minute, where's that light coming from? That light's coming from Christ who has shown it into our hearts. And that's what we show the world. Now, I'm looking at myself to make sure that's the case before I begin to try to influence someone else. now, it's interesting to me that he prefaced that one in that verse, in that passage, it says, do all things without murmuring and disputing, without complaining and bickering, or without however you want to put that. And let me say this very kindly. Let me say this very, very kindly. I mean it kindly. In fact, I'll use myself in just a minute so that I'll, you won't think I'm just being ugly. But I want you to think about this. If I am trying to influence a young couple to come and worship with us, if I am trying to uh, set up a Bible study, or I am getting, I'm, I'm afraid to, but Dale's going to go with me, and, and we've, we've been talking, I've almost got them to say yes, and they, they see me at the park have an absolute come apart on the umpire, And then in a little while on the way to the car, and I said, don't forget, now we're going to have that Bible study. Yeah, but that's two different things. No, it's not. Yeah, but one has nothing to do with the other. Oh, yes, it does. I learned the hard way because I used to be, how shall we put this, rather loud at basketball games. And I remember when my son Josh, I just saw him go by in an ambulance a little while ago. He's 36 years old. When he was about oh, he was 5, I took him with me to an Alcorn Central basketball game. You know they're serious about basketball over there. And I was doing some student teaching over there, so I went to see some of my students play. And we were sitting there, and you know how if your children are going to embarrass you, Jonathan, it's going to be in that moment when the lull and nobody's making any noise and so it rings. But this little five-year-old boy puts his popcorn down and stands up on the bench and says, Hey, ref, what's wrong with you? I'm like, what? What are you doing? Sit down. He said, but daddy, that's what you said. Eat your popcorn. We'll discuss this later. Uh, We have to make sure that what we project to those people that we're trying our best to influence with Christ is Christ. If not, why not? Let your conduct be worthy of the gospel. gospel. You mean the same gospel that is what we're trying to share? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's important. Anybody else? Now, Lord willing, and as the old saying goes, the creek does not rise, and we have the opportunity to meet next Wednesday, we will uh, discuss, okay, we've said all of that. Now, tell me what I can do. Okay. He was very kind and said, I was trying to wait till you were done. And he, he was thinking, I don't think that's ever going to happen. Uh, but let's, we'll stop right there. And we have an announcement that please pray for the family of Judy Cole Boren. Okay. Boren sister of Bobby Cole and sister-in-law of Teresa Cole. She passed away unexpectedly. So I don't know if any of you know that family, but that's Judy Cole Boren, sister of Bobby Cole and Teresa Cole. So we'll, let's remember them uh, in our prayers as we close. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and your goodness, for allowing us to open your truth, for allowing us to live your truth and be saved by it, be full of joy through it, Be strengthened with the peace that passes all world's understanding that's found in Christ. And Father, as we close our study tonight, we ask especially that you will, in accordance to your holy will, be with the family of Judy Boren, that you'll be with Bobby Cole and Teresa Cole and uh, in this time of sorrow and sudden death. For you know our hearts and our pains and our needs more than we will ever know. Thank you, Father. In your Son's name we pray. Amen.